My girlfriends and I have been binge watching Netflix shows like Love is Blind and The Ultimatum, and it has been drama city. We love dissecting the crazy love triangles, trying to predict who's going to make it to the end, and just gush over the couples who found real love in this crazy world of reality TV. But you know what's even better? Watching these shows with my boyfriend, who's a total reality TV noob. His jaw drops at every wild comment or shocking twist and turn that I've totally become desensitized to. And I get to have a new level of entertainment that I never thought I would have again. His reactions are pure gold. Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. In this season, we'll be developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get a one-minute summary of the reality TV shows we'll be touching on. The Bachelor or The Bachelorette has one lucky single looking for love amongst 25 to 30 contestants. The protagonist goes on exciting dates of various sizes and eliminates contestants one by one at the dramatic rose ceremonies. The season finale usually ends in a proposal. Whether they accept or not is another question. Love Island has single men and women living together in an exotic location. They couple up, share beds, and face wild challenges. Once in a while, new islanders are sprinkled in to shift the dynamics. To win, you have to partner up, have enough votes from your fellow Islanders or from the viewers at home. The Islanders who make it to the end get to walk away with their partner and a bit of cash. Love is Blind tests if love is more than skin deep. Singles date and talk in pods without ever seeing each other. It came out around 2020, right when the pandemic hit, so it really mimicked the social distancing that we had. If they find love in the first 10 days, they can propose and see each other for the very first time. Then it's back to the real world. Can their love survive meeting family, living together, and preparing for a wedding that's in four weeks? Some couples say I do, while others say goodbye. And with that, let's dive into the conversation with our guest. Today we have on a very special guest, Dr. Diane. She is a psychologist and relationship expert, and I found her because she is also a reality TV junkie, um, something that I personally enjoy. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Erica. Happy to be here. So can I ask you, what are you watching right now? What shows are you into? Well, Erica, I am deep into this season of The Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are this season is Charity Lawson, and Mm -hmm. she is a therapist herself. Oh, wow. So I'm fascinated because I'm watching Charity closely in terms of the decisions that she's making, how she carries herself, and I'm looking for the lessons we can learn and love about how to hold yourself, how to have deeper conversations, and Charity is killing it. She's doing a great job. That's great because sometimes you watch shows and people are just a train wreck and you're like, of course, the only people who would choose to be on reality TV are yes. going to be like this. Um, so how have you seen that she's different from what like well, the other uh, seasons? I'll, I'll tell you the one thing. Since I've been watching The Bachelor, I am an OG. I've been watching mm-hmm. since its inception in 2002, mm-hmm. um, which will date myself. But Mike... Weiss, who was the old uh, executive producer, he's gone. Hmm. Part of the show was that we didn't have enough diversity, enough contrast. People didn't feel representation. Mm -hmm. Um, Charity, however, is the fourth black bachelor. 
That's right. Um, which is exciting. So we have more representation. But I will tell you this season, mm-hmm. they did a better job in casting because she has a master's oh. degree, graduated um, from Auburn, I believe. And they have a cast of really educated men who all have jobs. And that's been one of the show's problems, too, where the men go on Bachelor in Paradise and they, they're younger and they don't really have much established for themselves. And this time, I think the show is doing a really uh, a nice job in the casting. That's wonderful. So I think when people normally hear reality TV, they think trashy. So what is your defense of reality television? Well, Erica, I have to defend this all the time. So I am a psychologist. I'm a serious person in my life. But on Instagram, I like to be more playful because I want to make this more relatable. Mm-hmm. And I watch it in a slightly different way, which is um, according to attachment theory, there's four primary ways that people show up in the world based upon their early family of origin. And I have, for instance, on my website, I have a love style quiz. Mm-hmm. You take my quiz, you figure out what your love style is. And then that tells me a lot about what you're going to look like in dating. So for me, I can't use my own clients as examples because there's confidentiality. Right. So with reality dating show, I get to be what's called a media psychologist. So I can extrapolate from what we see, I'm not their therapist, but from what we see and all my 30 years of clinical experience, I can kind of say, I think this is what we're seeing and this is what it looks like. And I can use reality dating shows as examples of what to do and what not to do. Hmm. Uh, so for instance, whether it's love is blind and I can look at a couple then as well, or the Bachelor, I can say, you know, they're doing a great job at this, or they might consider that, and use real life relatable people. Mm-hmm. And there's also an audience of people that follow as examples. Right. Yeah. That's this. This is something that I've been sharing with my boyfriend. So in the recent seasons of Love Is Blind, he's in passing seen conversations and kind of gets drawn in, and he feels a little guilty about watching it, but we have these deeper conversations of like, what is going right? What is going wrong? And obviously we also have to think about the context of the show. They're making them drink alcohol. (laughs) There's too much alcohol in most of these shows. And I don't know if you know, there's a new organization called UCAN. No. If you look it up, I'm going to blank on what UCAN actually stands for. I looked this up later. So you can actually stands for unscripted cast advocacy network. Um, there's a therapist, another psychologist. And what they're actually trying to do is make shows like love is blind and other more friendly to the cast because mm-hmm. you know, goes on in production right. that trying to feed them with alcohol, uh, make them appear more emotional. And I have actually met a number of the cast from mm-hmm. I was blind myself and speak personally to that. And I definitely think we need to make it like a safer place for people. So if people don't understand what happens with production and a lot of editing, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to be on the Right, right, right. So let's dive into actually okay. applying attachment theory to reality TV shows. Okay. What attachment types do you often see represented on these shows? 
Perfect. Well, so of the four types, I'll just describe what they are. So number one is a securely attached person, which is what you'd want to be. So say you had parents who were very attuned and very responsive to you as a mm -hmm. child. It happens in the first two years of life. Okay? You're going to be securely attached, which is good. You're going to have good boundaries. You're going to be able to state what your needs are. I think Charity, our current bachelorette, is secure. Mm -hmm. Happily married parents good family, all of that is great. Okay. They go on the show because they too want to find love right. and real world. There's a lot of messed up people, right? Number two, the most popular is the anxiously attached person. Mm. And I would say I was this person when I was dating. Anxiously attached people are the most likely to go on reality dating show. Why? Well, in their childhood, they experienced some inconsistencies in their parents you love me sometimes, but you're there for me sometimes, but not all the time. So I learned to be hyper-focused. I overthink, I overanalyze, I overprocess. but I feel better when I'm in a relationship than I do when I'm single. Mm -hmm. So these are the people who are motivated to be in a relationship. So they're going to be drawn to the reality dating shows Makes sense. and they make good TV. They cry easily. <laughs> Traumatic. They also attach easily, fall in right. love. All of those are the good traits, but then you can see a lot of the drama too. So they're the most popular, according to my statistics, 46% of the population, wow. which oh. is the highest amount. Of the population, um, general population, not just for reality TV. Well, in the general population. So my, on my quiz, for instance, I've had 80,000 people take my quiz. Mm -hmm. Of the 80,000 people, the most popular type is the anxiously attached person. Okay. 46% of women, 39% of men. Um, it's the most popular, most common type. The next is the avoidant person. Mm -hmm. And they are less likely to go on TV because they don't really want a relationship. But interesting enough, anxiously attached people are attracted to the avoidant types. Right. But they're on the cool side a little bit. Their families were a little bit cooler, not as emotionally involved. Uh, so they tend to like their space. They tend to process on their own. Mm -hmm. They don't want to feel rushed or crowded. You get on a show and in four weeks to get married, that's all. <laughs> That's that a lot, lot for it, like anyone. I imagine anyone. an avoidant person would push so much harder. Anyone. So you see people like that are like, wow, that's going to be tough for them. And then there's the, what we call the um, fearful uh, avoidant, which is a combination of anxious and avoidant. Hmm. And that person, thankfully, is a much less percent of the population because they've also suffered tremendously, possibly abuse in childhood. Hmm. They're about 6% of the population. And a lot of those people rarely go on TV. Those, um, I would say in Love is Blind, our last season, can you think of one that might have been fearful avoidant? Oh, no. Was it, was it Jackie? Okay. Yes. I got it right. <laughs> yes, Erica. And I'm, I'm careful and hesitant, because, but she alluded to her own family trauma Right. And her own dynamics. And she even said to Marshall, I'm someone who's going to bolt, right? Mm -hmm. And we saw it happen, right? Right. He was too much for her. I felt like he had some of his own anxieties. He was projecting too much onto her. She couldn't tolerate the envelope. 
there was some family stuff going on. And so um, that was too much for her. Right, right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pairings because we have yep. these great examples of uh, the pairing. So you said the most common would be the anxiously attached and the avoidant. Could you give us some examples and how that would play out um, on okay, TV but, and maybe in um, life? Can I take a minute to think of <laughs> them? But um, let's just say there are 10 different pairings. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have a quiz where I not only have the four attachment styles, in those attachment styles, I also have people who are high communicators versus low communicators. Mm. So for instance, I'm an anxiously attached high communicator. I might need to work on something different than a low expressive person might. So Mm. I might communicate too much. Mm. If I'm upset or disappointed in you, I might tell you that you hurt me. Mm. or I'm really upset about something versus if, uh, and I do, I have a sister who's a low expressive person. We came from the same parents. We're both anxiously attached, but she's a low expressive person. She wouldn't tell her partner that she might be more passive aggressive, not as Mm. direct. Okay. But why is it that in those pairings, so there's 10 different pairs together, like low expressive, high expressive combined combination of types. Um, the anxiously attached person does is attracted to someone they think is secure, but really is more avoidant because two people that are the same sometimes is what we call duplicity. It's like, okay. you're anxious, I'm anxious, we're like fire and fire. It might be too much. So if I'm more anxious and you're more kind of withdrawn, that might be interesting. Okay, so I can think of one partner Season two, mm-hmm. Ayana and her husband. Mm. Yes, I remember these two. Okay, Derek or Darren? Derek. I can't. I feel bad for not remembering his name. I remember not liking him because he would go out to the clubs and she 100%. was. Yeah. Oh, he though was more anxious, and he she was more the quiet at home kind of introverted mm-hmm. wasn't into that wanted to kind of settle down though she was a little bit ambivalent herself but he was honestly her opposite right right and opposites attract so he was the one who felt to me like he needed a lot of uh needed a not a lot of validation which mm-hmm. is common to be anxiously attached person and in the end he ended up having an affair on her Mm. So they got married, but then their marriage broke apart. She was outwardly saying we're struggling. And in the end, it came out much later what had happened because he was just someone who wasn't ready. Timing's Mm -hmm. important. And she was a more low-key kind of person, and that Mm -hmm. was just not going to work. Right. Right. So is that how it usually plays out where the avoidant person – maybe pulls away a little and then the anxious person maybe starts grabbing for different people. hundred percent. So it's like, if I turn to you, my partner Mm -hmm. for validation, but you're doing your own thing, I feel unconsciously that you're rejecting me. Mm -hmm. Then I need to get that need met by someone else. Maybe instead of like learning to validate myself and learning to meet my own needs, and then I might be angry at you or salty at you because you've been withholding. But we see this pattern. It's kind of the push-pull, the avoidant anxious cycle. So 
So the more I need from you and the more you retreat, you're just trying to take care of yourself and handle mm -hmm. yourself. I feel rejected from that, that I get more anxious. So right. these partners together really actually one partner feels flooded. The avoidant person feels flooded by all these requests and demands and the anxious person feels abandoned mm -hmm. so and triggers the wounds um, in the opposite partner and creates that dynamic. So even though it's the most common, it's really kind of the problem that we have that a lot of relationships don't work. Right. That makes a lot unless, of sense. Unless you know it and you can kind of understand it. Right. It, it takes a very mature conversation. And in four weeks, you probably don't know each other enough to be able to bring these things up. Um, I do think that all these shows need a therapist on hand for people to succeed. A hundred percent. And that's also part of you can, which is they're trying to actually make therapy available. Mm. But here's the thing. The shows themselves do not really want to have a therapist. Of course not. And they don't want to have a therapist on board because a lot of therapists would actually encourage their clients not to get married. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't in good faith tell my client to marry a stranger after four weeks. Now, right. getting engaged might be one thing, but getting married and a legally binding marriage is a lot. Yeah. My boyfriend is always, whenever we're watching the show, he's like, why is dating long-term not an, like a choice? Why is it either break up or get married? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think people are really hopeless romantics. Mm. And um, I write about this and I journal about this. And I think the good thing about reality dating shows is it can build hope. Mm. And the hope is that there is somebody out there that right. loved fails that one can fall in love and the interesting thing is that all these people the cast because again i've met with a number of them personally they all report the same thing that they really did at the time feel like they were in love mm -hmm. why because you go all in right you give up your phone you have no access to other people right. you are completely focused on the lead in front of you listening to them and that's not happening in real dating Right. In real dating, I'm like squeezing you in between brunch and my yoga, and we don't spend hours together getting to know each other. So real world dating kind of lacks a specialness hmm. that people crave, and the envelope of reality TV, and also throw in a little competition, throw in a timeline, creates more stress, but it also creates a process that is not in real world dating. Right. And it gives you a timeline where both people are thinking about this and you know, you have to make a decision. So 100%. at least you're thinking about it. I know couples who've dated for years and years and never had those serious long-term conversations of where we're going. It forces you either go all in or you're going home. And so it, it really, and, and because the chemistry is already there, uh, and love is blind, obviously, you haven't seen what the person looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people say at that point, it doesn't really matter. Now, in the end, I think it does matter. And that's mm -hmm. where, um, you know, Shake came out and said, uh, oh, my God, Murray. Right. It was actually on Shake's podcast. So uh -huh. uh, I met him personally. But I, I think it has to be a combination of all those factors. 
Mm -hmm. I think you have to be attracted to the person and have invested in that person. Right. And I mean, with the show Love is Blind, it's great that people are able to focus. They don't have their phones, but it's also such a bubble that they're in because they don't have their phones. They don't know what the other person is like in reality. It's, it's interesting that they remove all these different factors that actually play a huge part. We are all wonderful people when we have no stress and are on vacation and are being fed. We don't have to worry about anything. Well, so yes and no, because I also think that even we're not totally on vacation. We know there's cameras. Mm -hmm. We know there's brain. People are coming back and getting engaged Mm -hmm. and it covers up all your fears. So I say, in attachment theory, the actual science of it, mm-hmm. the way that we measure one's attachment style is under stress. Mm. It's a beautiful model to use to explain people's behaviors because I say, I say this, Erica, we're all like tea. We don't know who someone is until you put them in hot water. Mm. And we're not in vacation mode. We're really not. Because if I know that I have to like say yes to someone in four weeks. That's an incredible amount of stress. Actually. Right. So, I, I meant more like in the beginning half, I feel like the trouble starts when they start getting to the reality part, like course. getting engaged is like the fun part. Of course, the seriousness of it sets in real quick. And the reality is this is a binding legal agreement. This is a real marriage. And, yeah. um, I personally, one of my least favorite is the married at first sight because, my God, you have no basis or foundation. And I don't know how you can marry a complete stranger. No, definitely not. And we've been talking about all a bunch of examples that maybe we should not be aspiring to. Are there any couples that you've seen that you're like, hey, we can learn something from these two and maybe we can try to model parts of our relationship after this? You know, I love Tiffany and Brett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just when we get to learn their families, I mean, like Brett, what a loving man. We never met his mother, right? Mm-hmm. But she had some mental health problems and he was with his dad talking about like you know, being there. And I felt that he was a really great anchor for her. She's spiraling a little before they get to mm-hmm. the altar. Right? She's nervous. And he was very meticulous about right. how he wanted things. But I think together, they, the, the whole concept is that you earn your security. Mm-hmm. So even though Tiffany, I think, was a little bit nervous about money and asking all the right questions, um, she had a little bit more anxiety with the stress, and he was really anchoring her. Yeah. He was really grounding to her. Come here. Let me hug you. Let me hold you. And that's what secure, healthy couples do is help each other out during stress. So I thought they were one couple in particular. And then um, who else? From the season prior to that, we had, oh my gosh, um, Cowboy. Um, uh, Al- Brendan, Brendan and Alexa. Brendan. Yeah. Brendan and Alexa. And they are a nice couple as well. I follow them on Instagram. They have a lot of nice things in common. I think they're doing pretty well. I mean, we have the original, we have Lauren right. and Cameron. Can't Hard forget them. <laughs> get them, but but believe it or not, Barnett and Amber. Um, Amber. And really? 
Yeah. Now, fast. You know, they're still together. And right. Here's the thing: the show gave them a bad edit. Okay. And for instance, they showed Amber is this woman with has like all this debt. Blah blah blah. I I dig deep into these stories, and it turns out that Burnett had equal number of debt. Mm. And that's why he was forgiving of her debt, but they didn't show that. So it just depends on how they edit you. And from meeting even like Nick on the show, you know, I've met other people, another guy won't say his name. They said, you know, it really depends on your edit. They can Mm. make you look like Mother Teresa if they want to, and they can make Mother Teresa look like a villain. Right. So I think we have to take it with a grain of salt, but I do think there are some couples that you can really see they get through the stress better than others. Even Kwame and Chelsea. Yeah. And a lot of that was the TV making it look that they were worse than they really are. Right, right, right. So it sounds like the commonality between all of these couples is that I mean, first off, I feel like all the ones that you named are a bit more mature. They all came yeah. for the right reasons. And it sounds like at least there's one person who's quite grounding, maybe securely attached um, to balance out someone who's not quite there yet. 100%. And it doesn't matter. The beauty about attachment theory, mm-hmm. Erica, it doesn't matter where you start. It only matters where you end. Mm. So even if I have an anxious attachment style, Um, which I had at the start of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I married my husband who has a little bit of avoidant tendencies, Mm -hmm. but I knew it. I knew what it was. He's not extreme. I'm not extreme. Together, we've become a secure couple together. Because ideally, I could go look for a secure partner, right? Like find somebody who comes from this family. But that's about 23% of the population. Mm. Think about it. If the majority of people are insecure... 46% are anxious, another 23% are avoidant, another 7% fearful avoidant. Mm -hmm. So the majority of people are insecure. We're all vying for those 25%. (laughs) Right. It's not going to happen. And those 25% are are also pairing off with each other. (laughs) Exactly. So you you have to recognize kind of how rare it is. It's Mm. better that you work with someone that you're attracted to, understand what their love language is, what they need during stress. Do they need reassurance and validation as an anxious person? Do they need space and distance as an avoidant person? How do you communicate together? And this is my work as a couples therapist Mm -hmm. in real life to help people understand themselves, understand their partner, understand the needs and wants, and to address the specificity of the needs and wants in that relationship. We've been pretty serious right now, but I have a hypothetical question to throw at you. Um, Let's say you're a person who has their pick of reality TV shows and they're looking for true love. Which show would you say, do not (laughs) go on this one? And which show would you be like, this is the highest chance of you walking out with a secure relationship? (laughs) Take your time. Think about it. I have to say, just because I watch it the most closely, I do love The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. I do love The Bachelor. I love The Bachelorette. I love Bachelor in Paradise. I really do. Um, if you're super hot, <laughs> um, go on Love Island. Ah. Love Island UK is super fun, but you've got to be a smoke show, right? I mean, you've right. got to be 
look great in a bikini, have great personality, but they pick the highest of the high. And I say that because Love Island, Mm -hmm. they're casting, they have 98,000 people apply for the show. Wow. And they pick a cast of like 30 or 40. And for The Bachelor, for instance, they have a cast they pick from about 6,000 people. And they have a pool of about 30 or 40. But if you think about it, they're going to be pulling, right, from the best people. Now, Mm -hmm. Love is Blind and Married at First Sight are different because they're just pulling from the city, right? right? Love is Blind goes to Seattle or goes to Chicago or Atlanta, right? They're just pulling that demographic. And that's the same for Married at First Sight. But even Married at First Sight is like 1,500 people apply I don't know on Love is Blind how many people apply mm. because they also scout. So there's two ways to get right, out. Right, right, right. Either I apply or they see me on Instagram, know that I'm somebody important in that city and they contact me. Right. So you're thinking about the pooling, where they're yeah. pulling from and like what the highest chance of meeting someone. What about the actual context of the show? Which one do you feel like encourages healthy relationships because watching something like the bachelor you have so many people and there's a lot of jealousy that you have to work through whereas something like love is blind at least you can focus on one person you don't have so many people to be worried about well i i think i personally think um just for me it would be very hard to put your faith in this person that you haven't seen. I just mm. have to admit, I, mm. I really do think, um, and I think you can gleam a lot from it because you can understand someone's background and their history without mm. getting all those details. But I don't necessarily think that it's the best envelope. And I think an expectation to get married after four weeks is mm. really hard. What I like about The Bachelor is you get engaged and then you go into the real world and, you know, it, it takes people a while. Like there is a, a Jojo Fletcher, for instance, and her husband, Jordan, they got married after six years. Wow. And but now they're happily married. And I do think we have some successful couples. And the truth is the success rate on The Bachelor is better than right. on Love is Success yeah. rate on The Bachelor is about 21%. Wow. In the real world is not horrible. If you go online and you said you have a 21% chance of finding love, that's not bad. And love is blind is pretty abysmal. I mean, it's right. not right. It's right, not right, right. It's no. Right. It seemed like with the Seattle season, it calmed down a little bit. There were a couple couples that you were like, exactly. okay, you could make it. Exactly. We, yeah. had, we had three couples because we had Bliss and Zach. Mm-hmm. We had Bliss and Zach, Chelsea and Kwame and Brett and uh, Tiffany. And they're still married, as I know. Right, right, right. Yeah. And my last question to you, you watch a lot of reality TV, so I'm sure you've thought about this. If you could have a reality dating TV show, you got to run it, what would it be like? What would you have on there? So I actually did a reel on this, creating my own show. Yeah? What I would call it is like, I think I called it, I don't know, uh, love paradise or something like this. So for Mm. instance, what I would do is I would take the best of all these shows. Mm. I would, because I also think you need to live near the person that you end up partnering with. 
And that is one of the huge problems I see with The Bachelor is that mm. I've got to either relocate to Texas or somewhere. It's I think the geographic problems is a big problem. And that's mm-hmm. why I like Love is Blind. They don't mm-hmm. have that. But what I would do, okay, if it was my show, I would bring everybody on, let them meet, okay? Then I would parse it down to like three couples, okay? I would send them like an island and instead of competing with each other i would like do good couples things like mm. we have a baby together like on love island they actually do a challenge with an in, like a baby doll yeah with a baby i think like going to costco together like doing those kinds <laughs> and here's what i would have erica is i would have a therapist yes. so i would have some intervention so for instance they're having a fight or something the therapist would come in and say, hey, you know, you're not really considering how she's feeling. Try this. And try. And I would give them real world. And then I would say, choose your person. Go back into your real world. Date for a year. And then have a reunion. Mm. And then if you're still together and you want to get engaged, I'm going to give you a free ring from the show. And we're going to help you get married or give you money. That would make a difference. But you get a year's worth of real life experience, mm. no cameras, and yet it does move it along. Right. So you're not going to date for six years if time is of the element. You're in your late twenties, ah. want to get married. So I've already thought through all the elements of what would make for a great reality show. Meet them in person, narrow the fields, um, in your hometown, right, and date in real life, and then come back. And have a great and and let them decide how they want to propose. Right, right. Make it special. I want to propose in Fiji or uh, Bali or or wherever. And they have the money. Mm-hmm. By the way, Netflix makes ninety million dollars <gasps> per season. Oh my god, that, that's insane! I was looking up how much they pay the cast, and it's nothing for weeks and weeks of their time. Ninety million dollars. <sighs> Yeah. So, if, you know, if we if we look at right, the actors are on strike now in the U.S. And um, if we look at the money that they save by not paying their people who are their talent, treat them well, right. give them an environment, give them the skills they need, give them a therapist. You don't have to film the therapist. It shouldn't be in the front. It should be a support in the back. Um, and I think you can really... If a couple falls in love, help them, you know, help them with what they need. Right. It, it'd be nice to see like what you mentioned earlier, reality TV can be inspirational and something that yeah. people can learn from. So rather than just making it about drama and picking these people apart, it could be so much more. Well, here's the other thing too. And if your listeners um, watch reality TV show, I say don't get too invested in any couple because this is mm-hmm. what worries me, right? I, read, <laughs> I follow people on Instagram and they're like, oh my God, if Michelle and Nate don't make it, I'm not to. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't think of it that way. Um, they have to play it out. And reality TV couples kind of like um, just celebrity couples, they have a high divorce rate. They do. Mm. They're under incredible amounts of scrutiny and stress from social media that's unparalleled to normal couples. So Mm -hmm. they may not make it, but you can still say, 
how do I want to be like Michelle? Because she was secure. She asked for what she wanted. Okay. The partner wasn't the best choice. He wasn't ready, mm-hmm. but I can still embody traits of her or again, Tiffany and Brad. They've got some good traits. I can still learn from how to speak up, how to ask for what I want, how to do all those things that are going to progress me in my own relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think re- watching reality TV when I was younger allowed me to s- almost see myself from a different perspective. It's like, oh, I do that. <laughs> I do that. I- and it's not helpful for the relationship. So how do I, like, who should I model myself after? hundred percent. So um, when we get a good bachelor, bachelorette, I'm all over it. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, this girl's doing great. Follow what she's doing. You know, there's always a villain or two. There's always some TV drama, but we can gleam some good things. Some good mm-hmm. things. So I'm guessing if you were to recommend a season of one reality TV show, it would be this season of The Bachelorette. This right now, it's happening right now. We are just we, yesterday night was week four. Nice. Um, the finale is August twenty first. Um, we're gonna uh, yeah, and I and I'm hoping I'm kind of guessing she'll choose someone and probably make a good choice. That's excellent. Well, I will start watching. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're looking for Dr. Diane, you can find her at backtolovedoc.com or on Instagram. I'll make sure to link it down below. If you've enjoyed, stop what you're doing right now and give me a rating on the app. It really helps other people find me. If you have thoughts or tips you'd like to share, please do at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail. I'll see you guys next time.